0: Hey, if you've got your Bibles, would you open to the book of Ephesians chapter 3? I want to um, play a message for you from, many of you know, some of you don't, uh, Lucy Weldon, who is just this sweet little Jesus woman, and uh, she was uh, went into the hospital on Friday from they're not sure what. She initially thought it might have been a part of the conspiracy of the medical community to extract money out of her, but she... Uh, <laughs> we assured her that's probably not it. But uh, but we went and visited her on Friday, and all she could talk about is Jesus. And so I actually texted uh, Lucy, her daughter Lucy Pinson, who uh, leads worship with us sometimes here, Just hey, would you mind, just point a camera at her and just let her talk. Uh, because she... Jesus talks about Jesus all the time. It's what she does, and so uh, this is her. And she's a little sleepier than what we encountered her on Friday because she's been med. But even in medicated, Mama Lucy, all she can talk about is is Jesus.
1: Hey, Pastor. Hey, Dar- Pastor Darren and Shannon. Uh, it's it's with joy that I uh, greet the church, telling them we got the best church in the in the world. I didn't ask her to say that. Yeah. I appreciate y'all coming by to see me in the hospital, and and for everything you've done, for all the things that you've helped people, uh, everywhere. It's great to belong to a body like this. Well, you know, Jesus does for us what no other can do. He fixes. He fixes problems that we no one else can fix. And he gives us a love that man can't understand. He just puts that love down in your heart and it it just makes you love. And I I thank the Lord so much for that, for your church and what you what all you do for the church and I, I just I bless everybody in the name of Jesus and this tell them that there's more that there's, there's more they can have and they I, there's more I want because I want to grow closer to it and Lord bless y'all so abundantly as you walk down this path of life. You're a blessing to us and countless of hundreds. And Lord, keep blessing you. It's my prayer.
0: <laughs> so we can just go home now, right? <laughs> There's your sermon. <laughs> so would you mind, you know, we'll be praying for uh for Lucy. They're going to do a surgery on her in a week or so here, but she's just... She was such an example of what what the Lord has put on my heart to share this morning Uh, in Ephesians chapter 3 because the Bible knows something that we all know and that's that life is hard. And Paul in Ephesians 3, now he's not writing this to the theologians at Fuller Seminary He's not writing it to the deacons of what he's these this is a pastor who is loving on some hurting people. And when you think of that, he's, he's writing from prison to a people who have been persecuted. He was chased out of town. And these were this was a church he spent a long time with. These were his friends. And so in the middle of this Ephesians letter, he's writing to them, encouraging them. And it's almost like he remembers, oh, but wait, but just so you know, like I know that this is complicated and it must be scary for you. Because you know, it's hard to suffer, but it's sometimes harder to watch your friends or family suffer, sometimes even more. So he understands that, that his friends are watching him suffer. They are suffering. And these are the words that he's writing to these uh, folks at Ephesus and, and I believe to us today. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. And when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, and as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, this mystery is that The Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. And to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. There's that word again hidden for the ages, in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Father, would you give us insight today uh, into your word? Uh, well, I just pray that you speak in spite of me, not because of me. And for those of us in this room, this, like right now, that are going through some, some, something hard or something difficult, that this isn't just a, a sermon, but this is, uh, this is hope for all of us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Washington Post just released an article just this week. After uh, research and digging into the numbers, they've discovered that there's a trend of uh, more deaths uh, in rural America in a specific class of people, type of people, that's new. In their minds, this is new because it's getting harder for a specific uh, people. And we grew up, you guys, caves we grew up in rural America. So part of this I'm reading it going, well, duh, (laughs) life is hard in small towns. Contrary to the words of the great poet, John Cougar Mellencamp, (laughs) I didn't see it. There wasn't a single pink house in my town. It was just really hard there. And what they're finding over these numbers is that, specifically white females 45 and older, that there's actually an increase in percentages of death than there have been over the previous years. And it's from opioid use. Uh, alcohol, suicide. So that isn't just some inner city Chicago thing. I mean, you guys, the boys lived in Chicago, you know that life is hard there. But the small town, we were actually talking this morning about wanting to get out into the country, Mike and Jackie Javer. And, well, you know, We actually thought we moved to the country uh, on Peyton's Villarno, but as it turns out, uh, the city came to us. <laughs> but here's the thing, even in the country, life is hard. It just is. And what's happening right now in our political climate is this. We have politicians saying, hey, if you just let us win, we'll lower taxes on all those fat cats in D.C., and then that'll save save you. And then on the other side, they're going to let us tax the bejesus out of those people, and then that'll save you. Now, here's the thing. Over the last 30 years, we've had both sides in power. And you know what's happened? The death rate went up, not down. The use of drug use, alcohol to medicate went up, not down. So what the Bible says is that life is hard. Jesus has promised, in this life you'll have troubles, John 16 tells us. But the Bible's solution to that wasn't to elect your guy to office. Just, it just doesn't work. The Bible's solution also wasn't to medicate it. The argument amongst many of the millennial congregations these days, and probably frankly in this room, is whether or not we should legalize marijuana use. And I wonder if that's the wrong question because the question is, why would I do that to begin with? Because the answer is really really easy. I don't like how I feel right now because life is hard and I don't want to feel that way anymore. So whether that's through alcohol or marijuana, any one of those are a shortcut that short circuits what the gospel could do in your life if you would let it. So, life would say, politicians say, let us do it, we'll take care of it. Some politicians say, you just burn down a fat one, it'll all be okay, baby. Isn't that what Bernie says? Burn down a fat one? I don't know. Maybe that's a Vermont thing. I don't. But I'm saying that on either side of that, neither one of those are going to be the solution because what's happened in middle aged females in rural America who have tried to medicate away the suffering that they're feeling have found that it ends in suicide, cirrhosis of the liver, that it ends. Badly. The Bible recognizes that life is going to be hard, but the solution isn't to make life easier. The solution is actually what Paul is addressing right here. In verse 13, if you've got a King James, it might say, therefore, therefore, because of this, don't lose heart. Whenever you see a therefore, I'm going to give you a really deep theological principle here. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, always look to the verses before, and then you know what it's there for. That was completely free. You don't have to pay. (laughs) Sorry, we take up the offering ahead, so you don't have to pay extra for that. But Paul is saying that, hey, because of this, in these verses 1 through 12, don't lose heart of the suffering that I am experiencing right now. Don't lose heart. Because of what? Because of the mystery. The mystery, which Whenever he speaks of the mystery, he's speaking of the gospel. Because, by the way, if I get to heaven because I was doing good things, that's actually not a mystery. That's good. I got that. That's totally solvable. There is no mystery in the faith of Islam because it says, if I do more good things than bad things, then I will make my way to heaven because of that. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the opposite of that, which says, That I became, God became man, and he didn't become rich and famous and powerful, but he became a suffering servant, and he paid. That's a mystery. If you think that you understand the gospel, then you don't, because it's a mystery. He doesn't say he solves the mystery, parenthetically. He just says that I've revealed that there is a mystery. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about one of the mysteries in modern science is that is light a wave, or is it a particle? Because there are two contradicting ideas inside of it that are a paradox, we don't know why, that lay, that why it behaves as a particle sometimes, and we don't know why other times it beha- behaves as a wave. Those are seemingly incongruent, but somehow it is. We don't know why, we just know that it is, and it's a mystery. The gospel is a mystery. I don't know why. It just is. In Ephesians 3, he says part of that mystery is that we could now become one people. That would have blown their minds. The Jewish people hearing that would have blown their minds blown their minds enough that they'd burn the place down and chase them out of town. And on the Gentile side is their understanding the mystery. Paul's about to put these guys, if you go back to Acts 19 in uh, Ephesus and look what's happening there, he's like he's going to put the pagans out of business because people are coming to Christ in numbers and they're not buying idols anymore. And if you're the idol guy and you're selling idols, it's like the voodoo priests in Haiti. We're putting them out of business. They're putting them out of business, and you know what happens when you put somebody out of business? They get angry. And so here's Paul writing to this church in Ephesus. He was chased out of town, rioting, because he's putting them out of business. I've actually lived through one riot, which wasn't not exactly like what Paul did, but not unlike it either. Ben, you'll appreciate this. Ben, back from uh, Peoria this week for a day, but I. Uh, it was a couple of years ago we were in Haiti, and uh, there was some dissension in the community because people that we had been putting out of business, people that wanted a piece of the action, people were starting to spread rumors and lies, and so I, I flew down there to sort of help set the record straight, and wh- what that resulted in was a, uh, a little bit of a riot outside the church. Uh, I'm, I'm like the sole blanc there, and they're throwing rocks at the building and saying all kinds of uh, colorful metaphors, uh, Creole style. I ended up uh, getting on a moto with my buddy Jean-Marie and we left out the back. And it was like, man, this is probably the closest that I'll ever feel to Paul. But something happened in that moment that I didn't, I don't know that I could have known had I not gone through that. And that was that it kind of hurt my feelings. (laughs) I mean, they're throwing rocks at me. We've invested over a half a million dollars into this community, building homes for them and helping. And they're throwing rocks at me. I mean, are you kidding me? hurt my feelings. Paul left that town understanding, and it took me a little while on the journey to understand that, of course, somebody's going to throw rocks at you. You're putting them out of business. This is, that's a natural response. If, you're, if your hope is in your government, if your hope is in your job, if your hope is in this world, throw, throw away, <laughs> throw rocks, because I, I'm taking away some of that and showing there's this new hope. And, And so Paul, chased out of Ephesus, is now writing to these people back saying, hey, look, I'm in prison now in Rome, but don't lose heart because of the gospel. In Colossians 1, and if you've got your Bibles open, I'd love it if you turn one page over. I'm going to have to put my uh, old man glasses back on. He says that the the mystery of the gospel in Ephesians, he says, is about these people coming together under one umbrella, one family, and in Colossians 1, in verse 27, he says that to them God chose, speaking about us, how, uh, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, again, the mystery, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Christ in you, Christ in me, is the hope of glory. Now, Paul is saying to them that this mystery is why that you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to be sad about me. Sitting in that room with Cleo in northern Africa just a month ago, David and I, and I'm, I, mean, I think I told you, we're sitting there, they told us at any moment that the police could come. So I'm like typing a text out to one of my friends who's a lawyer to say, look, just in case, I could hit send. Here's Shannon's number, you know, yada, yada. But that's not Cleo. Cleo's like, no, bring out the feast. (laughs) Jesus is alive. He wasn't scared. He wasn't. And what I saw in front of me didn't make any sense. What I saw in front of me was the mystery of Christ in Cleo, the hope of glory. I saw the mystery. It didn't make any sense for him to have peace because there was a mystery with that. And what Paul, I believe, is saying to his people is that you don't have to worry about me Because Christ in me is the hope of glory. Not just in a theological idea, by the way, not just in a sermon, but actually that that's my hope. And so therefore, they can't beat me enough, they can't jail me longer than what Christ can shine through me. I think that it's interesting to note that what Paul would later say in Corinthians, earlier in 2 Corinthians 4 long time ago, I got to work with this band, I was like 24 years old, I didn't know what I was doing, but we signed this band called Jars of Clay, and they were in their mama's minivan until they blew the transmission, which doesn't take long, when you throw a big old U-Haul trailer behind your mama's minivan, <laughs> you'll drop your transmission in Florida, as it turns out. Like, I don't know, Pete, you weren't around those days yet, but you were making music out it, anyway. I, uh, the whole point of that, that was, by the way, a huge run, bunny trail, was that I thought it was a stupid name. <laughs> I was like, what a dumb name for a band. I'm not allowed to decide band names anymore because I was clearly wrong. But, but they got their name from 2 Corinthians 4, which is that we have this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels. And it's intriguing to me because if you have treasure... <laughs> You don't have to admit this right now, but if you're a prepper, okay, and you got your stuff buried, you don't put it in an easily accessible place that's easy to break into. If if you've got money, if you if you grew up in the uh, Depression area, you, you, a lot of the older people where I grew up would bury them. The Covey's grandparents, he would he buried everything he had in the coffee cans out on the farm. Probably to this day, there's probably even knows what all they forgot. You know, this is not made to protect anybody. This is, if you put a treasure in an earthen vessel, it is meant to have easy access to it because Jesus didn't say, I'm going to put this treasure in you so that you could protect it, but to give it away. And I think that he knew that I would have a tendency to hoard it, that I would have a tendency to put it in the basement and lock it up away. But no, in an earthen vessel, it's easier to see, it's easier to get to. His principle is, I think, uh, eloquently, uh, illustrated in judges 12 with a man named Gideon. And Gideon was at a time in Israel's history where it was bad stuff going on in Israel. It was they were surrounded by the Midianites. Maybe you remember this. And God through a series of events says, "Hey Midian, you're or Gideon, you're the guy, and I want you to take these 300 people and you're going to go and defeat these thousands and tens of thousands of Midianites." And Gideon's like, what these people? And so he tells them to take this, do you remember this story? He'd take a clay jar and put a torch under it, to put a light under it. And they surrounded, it was like, a, like over on Pultite Hill out in College Grove. There's like this giant, you know, down in a valley, but they would stand around the edges of it. And he says that on my call and on my command to break your clay pots and the lights would shine... And once they shine the lights, the Midianites in the valley below, like they assumed that every one of these lights represented like a, you know, tens of thousands. They thought they are hosed, cosmically hosed. So they begin to fight each other, they, they def- and they run. And, they, and the, the Israelites won when the broken pot allowed the light to shine through. Our bodies are these earthen vessels. He didn't say jars of clay on accident, from dust you were created until dust you will return. That's truth. There's a movement these days, by the way. Like, I thought Winona burying her placenta behind a tree 20 years ago was weird. And now I realize everybody, you know, a lot of people burying their placentas. But weirder than that now is in our culture, there's a, a movement to literally put the dead body like in a brown bag or whatever and then let it you know, go back into the earth again. It's like there's a whole movement for that. Because our, even we know, science tells us, that this is going to turn to compost again. This will be dirt. It was dirt. It is dirt. It will be dirt. This body is fragile. He put this light, this treasure in this fragile body, Knowing that, I would have a tendency to hoard it and hide it, but knowing that if he could allow, A.W. Tozier once said, and some of you, this is about to hit you right in your theology bone, I don't believe that God can use a man greatly that he hasn't hurt deeply. Why would he say something like that? And whether he causes it or allows it, I guess we can discuss that in deeper, but the truth is, his life is hard, and many of you right now are going through moments like Lucy, her little tent. That's what the, I think it's 1 Corinthians talks about. This, is, this body is a tent, and it's gonna, one day I'm going to fold it up, and I'm going home. I'm looking at Lucy at 80-some years old, and what I'm seeing is a tent that's being folded up. What I'm seeing is a clay jar that's being broken. For those of you that were sleeping, I would like to apologize. <laughs> because what happens in a broken pot is that the light can shine more brightly. And eventually this pot will be gone, and there will be nothing but light left. But for now, in this clay jar, in this earthen vessel, that there's some brokenness in your life. And what is... Let's clean that up. I'm the one that's got to clean that up. <laughs> A lot of our marriages in this room are broken. There's brokenness in that. And if you're thinking, oh, he's talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. Because it isn't like it is on the movies. It just isn't. News story. <laughs> just isn't. Because life's hard. He's going to disappoint you. He's going to bum you out. She's going to be mean and she's gonna treat you like she's your mother. And Things are going to happen. And just life is hard and we have this opportunity in the, in the difficulty to put our lights under a bushel what did Matthew 5 tell us don't put your light under a bushel don't hide the light and we hide it with things like medication We hide it with marijuana. We hide it with government programs. We hide it. Listen, we hide it. There's a movement in our society right now called authenticity. I just want to be who I really am, and I'm just authentic. This is my pain. And, And what ends up happening is I'm putting my light under a bushel called authenticity, and I'm not letting Jesus solve and shine through. But I'm saying the brokenness isn't to be hidden. The brokenness, there's a point to the brokenness, that the brightness shines through your brokenness. It can. Lucy, I, I swear that their doctor's getting saved right now. She's telling me in there. <laughs> I told him that God's, you're God's people and you're God's, you know, <laughs> that he's coming back. And she was, I mean, this was like she's preaching to us. And I'm like, I know, Lucy, I got it. Like she's just, but the, the more her tent is broken, the more of a mystery that is. It's not a mystery that I would feel peace. Nobody's coming to arrest me. I'm not dying. But it's a mystery when it happens to Lucy because Jesus' light is shining through her brokenness. I've got a a really, um, I've got a friend named Greg Murtha. Greg's been around. Some of you might actually know Greg because Nashville, he's been around a long time. But Greg's just a few years older than me, not many. Greg's uh, one of the good guys. How bad a theology is that? We're all sinners, right? But Greg's one of the good guys. He's a nice guy. And Greg was diagnosed with cancer five years ago and, you know how it is. Sometimes these days you get a diagnosis of that, and it's, you know, five years later, they're fine, and they're clear, or in his case, five years later, and he's, he's doing, it seems like what could be his last lap. I was supposed to meet with him. This was last week, and he had a massive heart attack on a Thursday, and so obviously we didn't get to meet. Uh, but he ended up at the hospital, and he somehow miraculously didn't die from that, and the cancer is in his lungs right now, and he can't breathe Um, he can't breathe deeply and there's this great irony because of the heart issue they want to give him blood thinners because the blood thinners will make it more blood in his lungs so there's like this catch 22 because the medical community doesn't have a solution for that and Greg was texting me from the hospital room just Jesus texts and Jesus stuff and Greg ended up going home uh, Tuesday that's Greg that's somebody he preached to Because that's just what he keeps doing. He just keeps preaching to people. Just keeps telling them about Jesus. He 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 told me in a a message, uh, he says, I can't wait to share. Life is getting very simple for me. Love God, love my family, and love whomever God puts in my path. And I'll praise him with every breath I have, no matter how small or how large those breaths are. Thanks for your prayers. He, He, like Paul, by the way, if you read through Ephesians, look what Paul is not praying for. Get me out of here. Pray that I'll become free. He doesn't pray that in Colossians either. He does pray in Ephesians 3, pray that I'll communicate the gospel. Pray that while I'm in chains here that I'll have an opportunity in this brokenness for the brightness of Jesus to shine to this world. And not just to this world, but check this out. In chapter 3, verse 10, not just into this world, but to the heavenly realms to the angels and to the demons. Do you understand what that says? That what we are do- when we are suffering on this side of heaven and the light of Jesus is shining within us, that even the angels and the demons are like, well, that's interesting. Wow. And I say that because there are those that would say that the suffering is pointless, that it's not. And Paul is saying, hey, look, it's not pointless. You're preaching not just to your neighbors and to your friends, and your pre- but you're preaching to the, to the universe, to the angels and to the demons and to the heavenly principalities and to the powers. They're all watching. And my hope is that this, whether you believe he causes it or allows it, I believe that we could say conclusively that life is hard. That Jesus' promises that it would be. We ought not to be surprised. In this world, you'll have troubles. But fear not, because I've overcome the world. And I wonder if what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 1 that, hey, in the way that you have been ministered to, now you will be able to minister to others, that there's obvious truth in that. In, in the first service, we had uh, Dean and Kim LaRocca here. And it was five years ago, just a couple weeks ago, that I got to do my first sermon, funeral, sorry, for Matt, for little Matt. Matt, who was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And Matt was just so vivacious and so full of life and so kind and This was one of, uh, was this his trip to Maryland? The Make-A-Wish trip, Alaska cruise. I love Matt because he didn't want to go to some hot tropical thing. He's looking for Alaska where it's cool and ventilated. (laughs) Huge fan. Huge fan of cool and ventilated. And Matt died not long after that, went to be with Jesus. And you know what I saw in little Matt at 12 years old? I saw a broken pot I saw a tent that was being folded up. And I saw light coming out of it. I saw Jesus in him. That God wasn't going to waste that suffering. That God didn't love Matt less. And what I believe now, obviously, is that if he's... That there was an entire universe of angels and demons that watched this little boy step into the other side, into the other, into eternity, into with Jesus saying, wow, did you see that? He didn't complain at all. How is that even possible? He was, and it was true. We were around him. It was like this amazing, this little guy. And, of course, watching his parents go through it, and we all struggled, we didn't, nobody knows why. Again, if you think you know why, you don't understand the gospel because it says it's a mystery. So if you've solved the mystery, congratulations. But Paul didn't solve it. He just revealed it. But what I know is that in the middle of all that, that there are thousands of people on this side of heaven, potentially millions on the other side, who watched Jesus, who watched a broken vessel, a tent. Because that's not what he used to look like. He was swollen from the medicine. His body was racked with all kinds of suffering. But what happened is the more the pot got broke, the more the light shined into the eyes of those of us around him. You have this vessel, this treasure in this earthly vessel not so that you can protect it and you can hoard it, so that every demon in hell that wants to break and chip away at you, just like Job. Job, by the way, parenthetically, didn't even know that there was like a bet between he and God, or between Satan and God. He had ne- he was that was never made aware to him on this side of heaven. He didn't know that his life was preaching to the devil, and neither do we in most of our days. If I were to tell you that tomorrow when you wake up, that there's cameras on you. All of a sudden, you're on this weirdo reality show and everybody's watching you. Would you behave differently? <laughs> of course, I would too. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, know that there are a great cloud of witnesses watching in on you. There are angels in heaven watching you. There are demons in hell watching you to see what kind of a sermon, what kind of light will come out of the brokenness of your life. God's light shines bright in broken vessels. God's light shines bright in broken vessels. I was talking with Edie this week. She's one of our oil ladies and she told me that most of the oils and the healing oils especially will come out of things that they have to break the branches for the oil to come out. And look... You know who's not bummed about this stuff? Those? Lucy, she's, she's in pain. She's suffering. She's, you know, walking and limping. and she's. You know. But Jesus is coming out of her. It's this great mystery, and then soon she's going to be standing before him, and soon we all will be standing before him. Soon we all will be standing before him. We're going to do a series this summer. I'm not really a series guy, not because I'm against him. I'm just not very good at him, but we're going to talk about imagining heaven this summer and meet some folks that have had experiences and see things in the scriptures where we're going with it, honestly. But there is this world that is there that we're all going to be in someday, and it's all going to make sense. But until that day, I'm just in this little broken pot. And someday it's going to be folded up. But in the meantime, in the meantime, this week, we have this perfect opportunity in all of our lives to not go medicate the pain away. We have this opportunity to not put all my hope in some politician. He's not gonna fix it anyway. And instead to be reminded that (laughs) the hope, the mystery is the hope, it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. Paul said, don't lose heart. It's okay. Don't be bummed for me. Don't be cynical. Some people, when we lose hope, we get cynical about it. Some people, when we lose hope, we just don't do anything about it. Jesus said that would happen, by the way. He said in those last days that the love of many would grow cold because of lawlessness and what we see. If you've seen what's happening in our society, you think, "Well, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm done. I'm going to go bury it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go bury my stuff, and I'm going to go out to the farm and." I'm I'm going to hide out, but that's and sometimes that's a way of our love growing cold because we've stopped engaging with it. We've stopped speaking up on behalf of the unborn. We've stopped speaking up on behalf of the refugees and the immigrants because my love is cold and I, it's so hopeless and the politicians can't fix it. I'm just so mad. He says, that, that, that's normal. That can't happen. And by the way, he doesn't love you any less. He just that's what the power of the gospel is. But you have an opportunity. Let's not squander it. Let's not, who would put your light under a bushel, he says. Jesus' words in Matthew 5. Why would you put your light under a bushel? Let it shine before men. And the way the light gets there is through the brokenness. The way that we hide it is through medication and through authenticity. And and I'm sure you could think of a hundred different ways that you've hidden the light by trying to cover up and mask the brokenness. And I'm saying, let the light shine before men. Stand to your feet, if you would, and I would ask us to each examine our hearts and to say where's an opportunity for me this week to let the light shine in, in my brokenness there are those in this room who you're in the middle of it right now and you can't even be you can't even see tomorrow second corinthians one says hey but you're not alone there are others that have been through it and they'd love to pray with you too and I know a lot of your stories, and I know that some of your stories, there was no hope. There was a moment of no hope in your story. There was a moment where you shouldn't be where you are today, but because of the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're standing here today. And so for those of you that think that it's not worth tomorrow, I can't make it tomorrow. I'm looking at people that prove that wrong. Christ in you is the hope of glory right now. I want to pray with you. and If you feel like, hey, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm just one of those. I don't know. I can't face. To, I don't even like, get to tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to be here for a few minutes afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe even introduce you to some folks who've been through it. And survived. And the mystery of the gospel is that it was Christ in them that was the hope of glory. He didn't ease their pain necessarily, but he shined through their pain. Father, would you give us hope and let that light shine through us. Forgive us for medicating it. Forgive us for trying to do something that alcohol, to try to make the pain go away, the pain that you actually wanted to get in the middle of and And shine to the world through forgive us for that, Lord. We repent, we just change our mind about it and say, We today recognize that I'm a broken vessel and that the light can shine through that brokenness. And I know that there are those right now that are feeling some hopelessness, and I would, I can't do it, Lord, but you can. Reveal the mystery to them and embody them with that mystery today, right now, supernaturally. Let Lucy, let Greg Murtha, let Matt LaRocca be proof that the mystery of the gospel is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We thank you so much for it. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.